Man, I don't know if I just have Spider-Man hearing or what the case is, but every time I throw these headphones on in the studio, man, it doesn't matter who was on air before me, I gotta turn the volume way, way down. Mike Steely's out today. I am Parker Thune. I'm riding with Connor Pasby for the next two hours here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Let's light up the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line today. And the goal for me is to make it through the day without referring to the text line using the old moniker in reference to the old sponsor. The Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is available to you at 405-651-3439. And Connor, I think the logical place to start here today is with the fresh news regarding the Sooner football program that came down last night. It was kind of already suspected Already rumored, but it's official as of last night. Four-star Oklahoma wide receiver signee Keon Brown is not going to be arriving in Norman next month with the remainder of the 2023 class. He is going to enroll at Garden City Community College and take the JUCO route, which means probably not a guy you can count on being in an Oklahoma uniform a year or two down the road because once guys go JUCO, Anything can happen at this point. But Brown was a guy that had had some widely reported issues with his grades. There was something of a question as to whether he was going to be able to academically qualify. And we get our answer last night. He's not going to be a Sooner. He's going to play Juco ball next year. And look, this is not a guy that was expected to have a huge year one impact. But if you watch the film on Brown... He's a very impressive football player, an athletic specimen at the wide receiver position, and certainly somebody that you could foresee two, three years down the line being a high-end contributor for the University of Oklahoma and putting him in or putting himself in contention to be an NFL draft pick. But that's not going to happen. It closes the book on a really weird recruitment, and I think that's about the only word you can use is weird because when Keon Brown committed to Oklahoma, like that might rank as the most surprising out-of-the-blue commitment to OU over the last five-plus years. I haven't been covering recruiting as long as some other folks, but Keon Brown got the offer while at camp with Oklahoma the beginning of last June, goes to Tuscaloosa, gets an Alabama offer three days later, and then within 24 hours – He's teasing an impending commitment, and everybody naturally figures, okay, he's committing to Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. Instead, it's Oklahoma, and he stayed locked in. What was weird was that he very publicly flirted on social media with plenty of other schools, but always adhered to the visit policy, never took any other visits. I don't think he visited Oklahoma, though, ever. If he took an official visit, I don't recall it. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but to my recollection, Keon Brown never visited Oklahoma after committing. Again, there was absolutely no heads up given. I remember remember talking to somebody in the building at the Switzer Center directly after he committed. And trust me, this is a person that if there's a commitment imminent or a commitment about to happen, they'll know about it. And they had to be like, okay, hold on, let me call you back. i got to make sure whether this is real or not. So his commitment took everybody by surprise. He was a guy that didn't really begin heating up until midway through his junior year. Pledges to Oklahoma, 
stays locked in with Oklahoma, but all throughout the process for him, there's that lingering question of whether or not he's going to be able to academically qualify. And this was an issue that OU was aware of when they took his pledge. They elected to take the chance, and it didn't pay off. And now you're down to a singular receiver in the 2023 class in Jaquay's Petaway. And, Connor, I'll turn it over to you on this topic, on this question. But naturally, it causes some uncertainty amongst the fan base as to the wide receiver room, a room which has already given most fans cause for uncertainty. right? But, again, even with Brown not being a guy that was likely to play, at least not a whole lot in 2023, it kind of underscores the lack of depth at receiver for Oklahoma right now. Yeah, it's crazy that you just have one so far with just Petaway, and usually when you see a D1 signee like Keon Brown, go the Juco route instead. It's mainly grades, and that's what's coming up right now, and that opens up your recruitment once again once you go to the Juco level. But we still got a long ways to go. I know you just got one recruit for a wide receiver in the class, but uh, I think more will come. David from Norman on the text line, at least he says, at least for now, doesn't it seem that Keon Brown was placed at Butler County Community College by OU? There are tons of JUCOs, but he ends up at BV's former school. Uh, David, he's actually going to Garden City Community College. So, uh, I don't... There is a Butler Community College. No, no, so there is a Butler Community College, and that's where... uh, I, I say current, maybe I should say former Oklahoma commit Lane Jenkins played juco ball i say i i say former because he's still in all technicality committed to oklahoma in the public eye but he does not have a standing scholarship offer and that offer is not going to be honored because he tried to test the visit policy and brent menables and his staff said be on your merry way so uh but yes i garden city community college was the exact same junior college that Brent Venables attended. But what you must understand about the community college circuit in the state of Kansas is that a lot of future D1 prospects and a lot of guys that have great issues, a lot of elite football players that have to go the JUCO route for one reason or another, they will go play in the state of Kansas. So not necessarily an indication that OU placed Keon Brown there, just an indication that he can, or rather he is good enough to go play at one of the top junior college destinations in America. 731 says, what does OU or its fans need to do to stop this recent bad football recruiting juju? Ooh, that's a question. Burn a live chicken? (laughs) You got to do something. Sacrifice a live chicken? Is that what it's going to take? Some sort of ritual? We've had some bad news over the weekend leading up to, yeah, Monday. Yeah, it has been rough. Chris A. from Edmond asked, I've been MIA for the last couple days, but did I see that Alabama and UCLA are both out in softball? Yes, yes, Chris A. Uh, OU softball has it going. So if nothing else, there is that right now. That was the only positive thing to take over the weekend. You had baseball lose, football recruiting, of course, but softball once again took care of business. Now from the 405, any wide receiver bodies in the transfer portal? At this point... The best available receiver is probably Zachary Franklin, formerly of UTSA. Now that Jordan Hudson has landed at SMU, Keon Coleman has landed at Florida State. The pickings are pretty slim. 
And it is just as likely, I would say, that Oklahoma simply elects to wait till the fall and see if anybody else hits the portal to fill that spot. Or there's a chance they just end up taking a fourth receiver in the class of 2024 as well, because let me tell you, Josiah Martin, three-star wideout out of Denton Geyer, former teammate and top target of Jackson Arnold, and a seven-on-seven teammate of Michael Hawkins, does not have an OU offer as things stand. If he ever gets the OU offer, let me tell you, that is a done deal. He will be a Sooner. So, Emmett Jones has two commitments right now at that position in K.J. Daniels and Zion Kearney. The big fish left in the pond is Bryant Wesco, and that's who Oklahoma's pushing for right now. That is who they are pretty solely concerned with. But if the window opens for Oklahoma to take a fourth receiver, be surprised if Josiah Martin isn't one of the first or perhaps the very first guy to get that look. Saul says, it seems like we lose a lot of Texas recruits to Oregon. Does a C4 guy like Oregon or something? Uh, I, I mean, who else has Oklahoma lost from the state of Texas to Oregon, Connor? I mean, you lost Peyton Bowen for a day. Yeah, I've got him that back. Went your, that <laughs> went your way in the end. Aston Cozart flipped to Oregon, but, I mean, that was a guy that even after he flipped was trying to get back in at Oklahoma, and the OU staff said, nope, you made your decision. You're going to live with it. So I'm I'm trying to sift through the archives of my memory and figure if there's anybody else from the Lone Star State that Oklahoma has missed out on because of Oregon. Not because I, of Oregon. I know there's some other schools, but... Yeah, certainly. Texas A&M is always a factor. Texas is always a factor, especially with the way that those two schools play the NIL game. Uh, from the 405, Parker, do you think all this may be paving the way for DJ Graham to step up and shine? All I know is that somebody's going to have to step up and shine in this wide receiver room because Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops are the only proven commodities you have at that position. Gavin Freeman was nice last year in very limited action. You're going to have to squeeze more out of him in 2023. Nick Anderson or Jaden Gibson, ideally both, going to have to take a jump. I would be surprised, Connor, and I don't know how hot of a take this is. I'd be surprised if Jaquez Petaway doesn't have some sort of role in year one, I can see him playing and perhaps playing a lot. The way, given what he brings to the table, especially in the way of speed. Yeah, what the wide receivers look like right now, it'd be no surprise if Petaway finds himself on the field. And I love, yeah, mentioning DJ Graham because he's got the body type. I know he's switching positions, but it'd be nice to see him step up and shine. There's going to be a bunch of wide receivers that played very little last year that will play a lot more this upcoming year. Ronnie Crimson, right on cue. Man, I would love some Malachi Coleman right about now. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, Ronnie, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll never be able to make that one make sense. To me, that was a guy that you just get to Oklahoma. Doesn't matter if he's a receiver or a tight end. It's a good enough athlete, an impressive enough athlete, a unique enough athlete that you just make room for him. So, yeah, he would have been nice to have if you're the Oklahoma Sooners right now. Especially – in this particular moment in time in history where you do not have a ton of depth at either wide receiver or tight end, it's kind of astonishing that OU had a top 100 guy in the palm of their hand last fall and elected to walk away. But the staff has their own reasons. End of the day, you got to trust their vision. And whatever they saw in the guys that they already had, in the guys that they were pursuing – uh, whatever they saw in the way of negatives on Malachi Coleman, they ultimately decided that's not the guy for us. And so what's done is done. 
Coleman's a Husker, and you got to make do with what you have. Yeah, it wasn't a big concern at the moment, but man, you wish you have something like that right now. Now, from the 405, from a listener in the 405, which, by the way, if I'm not saying your name when you text in, please give me your name when you send your text because I want to be able to get to know all of you on a first name basis. We have Justin in Coweta. We have Brandon from the 405. We have Ronnie Crimson. We got Shane in Newcastle. I want to add more characters. I want to put more names to numbers on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. But listener in the 405, actually a couple listeners from the 405 have, have asked, does this mean Jacoby Johnson ends up at receiver? Now, I have been pounding that gong for well over a year at this point because Oklahoma's design for Jacoby Johnson, really from the get-go, has been that he's going to play defensive back. But I've seen a lot of Jacoby Johnson at the prep level over the last three years. And let me tell you, I am all the way sold on that kid as a wide receiver. We've seen a bunch of elite plays from him at Mustang. Both sides of the field. It's not just him in the secondary. Now, if he plays defensive back at Oklahoma, he's going to be a really good defensive back. Overall, he is a very impressive athlete with a very impressive athletic profile. But I'm of the opinion that that guy has the highest ceiling at wide receiver. And it's not often I say that about a guy that can play both sides of the football. Generally, it behooves a player like that to play defense because – there are a zillion wide receivers, and everybody wants to play that side of the ball. Everybody wants to score. Everybody wants to rack up the receptions and the yards, and everybody wants to play offense. Generally, there are not a lot of guys that are as willing to play defense. And so Jacoby Johnson's willingness to play defense says one thing about the type of player he is, about the type of mentality that he brings to Oklahoma. But, man, I'd love to see that guy on the offensive side for Oklahoma. Would love to see him at wide receiver. This conversation will continue as we progress here on a Tuesday. The Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. It's Steel Man and Thune at noon with myself, Parker Thune, and Connor Pasby. Stay with us. It is Steel Man and Thune at noon here on a Tuesday. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby, rolling with you until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Hitting the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line hard, 405 605-351-3439. 651-3439. Again, leave your name with your text if I don't already have it. We mentioned it off the top. Four-star wide receiver signee Keon Brown is not going to make it to campus. Not going to academically qualify. He will be headed to Garden City Community College in Kansas. And that leaves Jaquay's Petaway as the only wide receiver signee in the 2023 class for Oklahoma that will enroll. Now, I think the silver lining here, Connor, before we get back to text, is that if you're only going to have one wide receiver signee in a class, at least you got a dog in Jaquay's Petaway because that dude is good. Yeah, he's got some speed, too. That's why you need a real speed burner on the outside, and that's what you have in Petaway, and that's probably why he can play right away. He can certainly play right away, and again, I, I am one of those that believes he will. Now, from the 580 on the text line, one of the things we had also discussed is Jacoby Johnson, who's currently committed to Oklahoma, signed with Oklahoma, getting to campus next month with the intention of playing defensive back but was a standout wide receiver 
at the high school level was having an interesting conversation via text just now with a good friend. And that friend pointed out that there was a surge of cornerback offers last week in the 2024 class, which was interesting and didn't entirely add up at the time because the Sooners are in real good shape with Eli Bowen. They've got a pledge from Jeremiah Newcomb, and they're going to get official visits from Marcellus Williams and ideally Kobe Black as well. Not to mention at the time they led, and you can make the case they still do, for four-star Tulsan defensive back Devin Jordan out of Union High School. Now, Devin Jordan did just pick up an Alabama offer yesterday. That offer's committable. He's going to OV. Obviously, Bama's going to be tough to deny there because Bama's a dream for any high school football player. So, at the time, though, when that wave of cornerback offers went out, it didn't entirely make sense because at least the optics of the situation were, okay, Oklahoma's cornerback board in the class of 2024 is pretty solidified. But they go and offer Jameer Grimsley out of Tampa Catholic. They make a JUCO offer to Demetrius Freeney. And that friend of mine that I was texting with pointed out, maybe, just maybe, that was directly related to Keon Brown's situation, if you will. And the thought that maybe Jacoby Johnson switches sides of the ball and plays wide receiver. A texter in the 580 said, you're right on the money with the Jacoby Johnson take. I've watched him play for four years, and he just seems so much more natural at wide receiver. Big-time difference maker there with his leaping ability. Yeah, that texture and I are locked in. He's just an um, athlete, makes so many plays, not just – like we just said, not just in the secondary, man. He did so many things for Mustang on both sides of the field at the 6A level, which is really impressive. Another texture in the 405, Jacoby Johnson is a very skilled wide receiver. Been watching that kid play since he was a sophomore, and I, too, think he should play wide receiver at Oklahoma. Sounds like we got a lot of folks on the same page. Might, yeah, might as well try it out. Justin in Coweta, what about that Texas wide receiver transfer? Isn't he supposed to be pretty good? Uh, that would be Brennan Thompson, and if nothing else, Brennan Thompson is the fastest wide receiver on your roster. Yeah. Now, my big question for him is, can he hold up physically? Because he's rather slightly built, and it's not all that uncommon for speed guys to be a little bit more on the slender end of the spectrum. But if you're looking for a speed guy in this offense, I wonder if Jaquay's Petaway actually has a leg up on Brendan Thompson right off the bat simply because he is more physically developed and more physically ready to do a whole lot more than just run in a straight line at the collegiate level. Look, I'm really high on Brendan Thompson. I I just don't know if 2023 is his year. Yeah, five. He's he listed at 163. 5'10", 163. Exactly. So that's a guy that probably needs 10 or 15 pounds of Schmitty muscle. Yeah, and he's still still very young. Played a little bit for Texas. Got involved in some plays, but he's got still got some room to grow. Yeah, well, and if, if Brendan Thompson redshirts in his first year as, as an Oklahoma Sooner, I don't think that's the worst-case scenario because that means you can lean on other guys. It means you've got other guys to lean on, and it also means that he can just focus on packing on weight. Ohio Sooner says, do you think any of Petaway, Bowen, or Johnson will return kicks and or punts next season? I'd bet on Peyton Bowen out of the three, certainly. I would take both, too. Yeah, kicks and punt, just one of them. 
Yeah, Peyton Bowen, I, I would imagine, will factor into the return game, much as Marvin Mims did when he was a freshman. Frisco Sooner says, Parker, in the long run, this could be the best thing that could have happened to OU. I agree. Jacoby Johnson needs to have the ball in his hands and often. You just got to think he's going to be a freshman. Still a lot of time left for Jacoby Johnson, but I like it already. Uh, Ronnie Crimson says, do you think the Sooner staff regrets not pushing harder for Micah Tease? Uh, with, with, with some knowledge of the behind the scenes of that situation, no, I don't think so. I think OU was content to move on from Micah Tease because they had him if they wanted him. Micah Tease was ready to flip to Oklahoma. And in the end, Oklahoma decided to say no. And at the time, I was I was on the airwaves kind of questioning it. But hindsight is twenty twenty, and I know some things in hindsight that I didn't know at the time. And so suffice it to say that, yes, I, I do believe the Oklahoma staff is content with where they left things with Micah T. Tyler and Kellyville says, Braylon Presley, you up? <laughs> yeah. So uh, does J.J. Hester factor into the factor into the wide receiver rotation? That's another kid that played a small role role for OU last year. Oh God! Oh gosh! Tommy said Sims is done. Fans need to move on. We want those that want to be a Norman and Crimson and Cream when it counts. Well, Tommy, I think that's the first mention of Zadavian Sims. All that's day. surprising. So, yes. Yeah, it took this long. Yes, Zadavian Sims is done, and I I think most have moved on at this point. Uh, the listener in the 405 did say, I think we need to stop all this prediction crystal ball crap, and if they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. I'm not necessarily in disagreement there. In fact, uh, back when I worked at 24-7, I was having a conversation. This was not that long ago either uh, with a member of the national team, and they were saying, we got to just nuke the crystal ball. We ought to get rid of it. Perfect example, Connor. Like, For those that subscribe on OUinsider.com, and even those that don't, I mean, those that do subscribe know the specifics of the situation a little better than those that don't, but OU's in a really good spot with Taylor Tatum right now. Taylor Tatum's the number one running back in the entire 2024 class, Connor. I did see yeah, yesterday. Yeah, and I feel really confident about Oklahoma's chances right now with Taylor Tatum to the point that I've been fighting the urge to drop a future cast for probably the last week and a half. And what continually holds me back is that, you know, the second you put that prediction out there, it's getting aggregated on Twitter within minutes and all the recruiting casuals are blowing it up saying, Oh my goodness, Oklahoma is going to get the number one running back in the country. Now, those that actually follow recruiting know how many ways recruitments can turn on their heads and how quickly that can happen. But recruiting casuals, all they see is that prediction. All they see is, oh, boy, Oklahoma's supposed to be getting the number one running back in the country. Yeah, they, ex- and they, they expect it. Well, exactly. And then if it doesn't happen, they don't know why it doesn't happen because they didn't pay close enough attention to know why it isn't happening. All they see is, oh, DeMarco Murray swung and missed, which might be the case and it might not. Yeah, they but don't understand you, there's more big-time programs that are doing the same, not just OU. <laughs> I got a text, not on the text line, but separately, that says, the idea of the crystal ball was initially trends, but or was initially trends, not predictions. Not sure when that changed and people latched onto it, LOL. Oh, wow. And that's, you know, you listen to somebody like Steve Wiltfong talk about the crystal ball, and yeah, it is used to indicate trends more so than anything, in the eyes of the experts. But in the eyes of the fans, they see them as 
more so predictions than trends. And it's it, admittedly, it's hard not to. We talked about Thompson being slightly built. Now we're getting text that says, you can't hit what you can't catch, slash Hollywood Brown. Yes. And that look, that's fair. Definitely get that. But there's a reason why there were so many people apprehensive about even a guy like Tyree Kill. Right? You got speed. Speed kills. But <laughs> it's a lot easier to get killed yeah. when you're not that When big. it breaks it tackles, too, and easier to tackle. Yeah. But Hollywood Brown did not have a problem. Marquise Brown no. was plenty big enough for Jerry Schmidt. That's a text from the 918. Ty from Bartlesville. Will Taylor Tatum be at the barbecue? Yes, he will. Uh, Colin KC, anything to make of the Will Nwaneri A&M tweet? No, I'm not taking A&M seriously there right now. Uh, emphasis on right now, A&M is one of those schools where at a certain point, if they want to be taken seriously in a recruitment, they're going to pull the necessary strings to make that happen. But right now, not really regarding A&M as a factor the way that I see Tennessee and Oregon as major threats to OU there. Do you, uh, do you think Tatum's chance to also play baseball is also keeping his recruitment? Yeah, so Taylor Tatum might be a better football player than, or might be a better baseball player than he is a football player. Which but is he wild. Wa- to but think he wants about. to play both. Is that he does want to play okay. both, and he is going to play both regardless of where he ends up, whether that is Oklahoma or Michigan, because it seems to be those two right now, unless A and M comes along with an offer he can't refuse. But yes, very good football player and a very good baseball player as well. Let's hit a quick break. We'll continue this conversation on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line next. Keep lighting it up, 405-651-3439. This is The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. It is Steel Man and Thune at noon here on The Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby. This hour of the program brought to you by Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning system, call Lasher. Family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. 405-579-3113 is the number to call for all your heating and air needs. 405-579-3113 for Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Now, the number to text if you want to get in on the action today is 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. That is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. You want to go back there, Connor, or Let's did you do want it, to Parker. jump in here? No, yeah, we can do it. People want D linemen, Parker. Ty from Bartlesville. Could you see one of the D linemen uh, visitors committing at the barbecue? If so, who do you think it would be? Oh, man, that that's tough. Prior to this past weekend, I would have said Joseph Jonah Ajonier. However, Georgia made a big, big move with the four-star defensive lineman out of Conroe, Texas, and his official visit to Georgia is going to take place on June 23rd. So regardless of whether or not Joseph Jonah Jonye is ready to commit at the Champion Barbecue, I think he's at the very least going to give Georgia a shot. Someone says, in that part of the future cast crystal ball, you are the insider, the expert, and you're saying, I predict that this kid will end up X school. You want all the glory of being right, but want zero accountability whenever you're wrong. Saying you're wrong isn't enough. You have to be better at your job, Parker. Oh, okay. So if saying I'm wrong <laughs> isn't enough, I, what does being better at my job look like? Yeah. Because I, I don't know if this is breaking news here, but 
when you're covering 16 and 17 year old kids, you're going to be wrong every now and again, because kids' feelings change as the wind blows, and kids lie, as we found out this past week. They weekend. do lie. Well, we didn't find this out that this past weekend, but that was highlighted this past weekend, and so if a kid's lying. And all you have to go off is information that ultimately finds its origin within the kid's head. And there's only so much you can do. So I think the conversation that that texture is referencing is the conversation where I, uh, those that established the future cast, the crystal ball, they initially, they, they initially, excuse me, wanted it to signal a trend in the recruitment as opposed to an outcome, but it's been interpreted as an outcome, which, again, is fair. But uh, to that listener, yeah, I just think there's some semantic loss of translation there. Um, Rodney from Denton says, other than finding out Oklahoma State is a dang good baseball team, nothing bad happened last weekend. We have potential at receiver, and we'll find the gem we need. The other thing is, oh, you cannot take all the players they recruit, and in the end, we're better off than almost every school out there. Boomer. Now, that is a thousand percent true. And <laughs> here's the thing. Everybody wants to talk about all the kids that OU missed on last cycle, Connor. At the end of the day, like when all was said and done, they signed the number four recruiting class in the country. Yeah, they don't want to so, they don't want to talk about what they just accomplished, and that's a top five recruiting class. You got really solid, good players coming in. They just want to talk about the the misses, the kids that they did not get. Yeah, so look, nobody's going to bat a 1,000 on the recruiting trail. That's not how it works. But if you have the batting average that Oklahoma did last cycle, as long as you don't have any areas of weakness in your recruiting position groups that become areas of weakness year after year after year, you're going to end up with a pretty quality product on the football field in the fall. And, you know, I mentioned recruiting casuals last segment, Connor. And the detriment that recruiting casuals can be. This, I'm going to read you a tweet that I put out earlier. And the responses to this tweet underscore exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I I tweeted this earlier. It's always entertaining to relay nasty message board posts and DMs to my fiance because she's part Japanese, was raised very traditionally, doesn't really do social media, and is oblivious to the world of football recruiting. She has absolutely no category for that level of vitriol to the point that she legitimately has a hard time believing actual human beings are behind some of the posts slash messages that I encounter and that we encounter on a daily basis in the world of recruiting. Her responses are often along the lines of, I wish I could say what I really think of people like that, but if I let myself get angry, my words will get mean. I wish the world, and especially the internet, had far more people with that type of principle. Now, that was my tweet. Now, as you know, Connor, and as most know, what we saw this past weekend, the public reaction to the Zadavian Sims fiasco on Twitter, is par for the course any given week behind a paywall on recruiting message boards. Yeah, people it's, don't think people don't think before they put out something and it definitely just gets out of pocket. Well, but what I'm saying though is that everybody Naturally, with how many recruits quote tweeted the message board geniuses post with all those OU fans wishing the worst upon Zadavian Sims, with how many recruits quote tweeted that post yesterday, everybody took notice of it. And so 
I have so many recruiting casuals in my mentions right now going, give it a rest, it's four message board posts. (laughs) I'm not referencing those four message board posts. I'm referencing the overall tone of recruiting message boards. Because what we saw, what you saw on message board geniuses, is not uncommon. And it's not outside the norm. Happens everywhere. Not just here. And it sucked that that got out and you saw more recruits get a hold of that. Kevin in Tulsa says, Hey, Parker, you're the Billy Joel of recruiting predictions. You may be wrong, but you may be right. That's right. <laughs> that, sums up my, that sums up my entire existence covering recruiting. You may be wrong. You may be right. But I'm hoping I'm day, right. It all comes down to how honest the kid is being. Because if Zadavian Sims is telling the Oklahoma staff he's going to Oklahoma – what am I going to do? Call the kid a liar? That's if, the thing. You rely on the kid to tell you the truth, and if he doesn't, then <laughs> that's his problem. Yeah, exactly. And you, look, you're going to get a few bad apples in the bushel, right? And I'm not necessarily calling Zadavian Sims a bad apple in terms of his character, but it's more just a an analogy because I've learned enough covering recruiting at this program and – covering recruiting for this staff in particular that I know the vast majority of the kids they pursue and try to close on are going to be high character kids who shoot straight a Jackson Arnold a Sammy Omasigo a Heath Ozida a Cade McIntyre but (laughs) every so often you get a kid that wants to play up the drama for one reason or another Peyton Bowen DJ Hicks, although that was more his parents than him. Yeah. Zadavian Sims. And so when, in general, the staff makes a practice of recruiting kids that are very straightforward with the process and that are very transparent, it can be tough to pick out which ones aren't. It's part of it. There's just so many of those kids that like the drama, and we can sense that, and we've seen it. Especially oh boy. over the last weekend. Here comes Todd Bates' nemesis on the text line. Oh, boy. Sounds like we're not landing any of those big-time DL. Parker the Sunshine Pumper Thune. <laughs> Look, uh, Todd Bates' nemesis, I understand what your shtick is on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, but Oklahoma's going to get some elite defensive linemen this cycle. I don't know how many, and I don't think any one of them is a sure thing, but they're going to get some elite defensive linemen. Will it live up to your expectations? I don't know. Your expectations are just that. They are yours. They are subjective. We may have a parade in Norman once we get a four-star or five-star defensive lineman. <laughs> oh, man, here we go. From the 918, you spend all day and every day covering OU specifically, so explain how someone like, say, I don't know, Steve Wiltfong can have more information than you. Well, first off, Steve Wiltfong is the best in the business. There is nobody that is as plugged in as that guy. And secondly, what you just said is 100% correct. This listener in the 918 is 100% correct. I spend all day and every day covering OU specifically. Steve Wiltfong covers recruiting on a national level. And so the vast majority of my insight and information is going to be coming from the OU end. And that's a double-edged sword. Because it can be really good, really authoritative information. But again, if OU is being fed lies by the kid in his camp, my most reliable information from people that I trust 
<laughs> it's going to be those repeated lies from the OUN. Steve will have better insight in some cases because he can listen to all these different camps. So hopefully that explains it, at least satisfactorily. Back to wrap up our number one next here on Steel Man and Thune at noon. Keep the text rolling on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. Keep it right here. Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Center fans. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. And oh boy, we got news. We got news. There is a new in-state offer, and it's been one that, quite honestly, I had not been expecting, but that I really wanted to happen. Cooper Alexander out of Washington, Oklahoma, son of former Oklahoma stud and NFL tight end Steven Alexander, just picked up the OU offer. Now, this is no more than... 10 minutes ago that this news broke. So I'm still digging around on it. I don't know if the plans have changed because the plan for the longest time was Oklahoma's going to take one tight end in the 2024 class, and that's going to be a reclassified Devon Mitchell. So it, it seems those plans have changed, perhaps. I mean, that's <laughs> it's really the only logical conclusion you can draw here because Cooper Alexander is a guy that you have to be prepared to take if he wants to come being an in-state guy and believe me I I think he's going to want to come to the University of Oklahoma but it's a kid with really impressive film obviously a legacy from the 402 texture in the 402 said about time on Cooper Alexander and yeah it was kind of an, it was looking like it was kind of going to be an unfortunate deal for a while because if not for Devon Mitchell I'd have figured Cooper Alexander would have had the OU offer months ago but it wasn't apparent that that offer was ever going to come but here it is. He's starting to get some Power 5 offers really picking up as of late. Got good size, 6'4", 225, and a winner in your backyard to keep him in Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of that offer. From the 918, can Cooper Alexander play wide receiver, big target? No, that's a tight end. That's, that's a big boy. That's a tight end right there. Uh, he does move pretty well for a tight end, though, so th- he's the type of guy that you can see – taking some snaps in the slot. They can bounce him outside if they need to. Overall, very athletic kid, good pass catcher. Yeah, I really like Cooper Alexander, and I it is, it is an offer that I don't know if you can call it overdue based on what Oklahoma's plans are slash were at tight end. But, oh gosh, I just got, <laughs> I just got an email that came across my screen. <laughs> It's very obviously spam, but it says, Parker, Steve Harvey has news for you. Does he now? I'm going to guess Steve Harvey does not want to get in contact with me. No. Never a dull day. Uh, It was nine minutes ago to be exact, Parker Gunny, not ten minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, From the 260, I guess that one texter expects all recruiting experts to be former NSA interrogators, be able to know when someone is lying to you. Maybe I ought to come up with a polygraph. Yeah, we do. Get a polygraph, and that's how I'll conduct all my recruiting interviews going forward. Tell the truth. Yeah, here. Going to need you to sit down. I'm going to do this uh, as if it was an interrogation. Uh, Sarks Vodka says, hopefully Iowa State doesn't land another Oklahoma tight end. Yeah, Coop was pretty heavily leaning Iowa State before today. 
I get the impression that that's going to change and change quickly. Yeah, we're, we've been on some bad ends of Oklahoma kids, tight ends going to the University of Iowa State, but this time he stays here. Man, that's a curveball. That's a curveball. That just goes to show you. I love it, though. These small, these small town schools, and you get one of the best players. Washington's a powerhouse, man. But, again, you just you never know with recruiting. Never a dull day. So he picked up picked day. up one from Miami four days ago. He's got Washington State, Stanford. I mean, it's loaded up. He's a very good football player, and one that I, my knee jerk reaction is probably going to end up in Oklahoma's class. All right, we got to wrap up our number one here on Steel Man and Thune at noon. When we return, we will get back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. As hour two of the show gets underway, Parker Thune and Connor Pasby here with you on the Home of Sooner fans. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Oh, yeah. You got two men talking. Yeah, we got two men talking right outside my door. Doing a lot of talking on this Tuesday here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. A lot of talking about recruiting more so than anything because it is a hot-button topic right now. Um, Before we get too deep into the weeds here in hour number two, which is brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Uh, While we were in commercial break there for, what, three minutes? Jumped on the phone real quick with a source that would know. Let me just put it that way. Someone with very authoritative knowledge of Devon Mitchell's recruiting process. And I asked straight up, is there any reason to think that Devon Mitchell will not be reclassifying into the 2024 cycle? And the answer I got was an unequivocal no. So everything is on track for Devon Mitchell to reclassify into the 2024 cycle by August. So what that leads me to believe here, Connor, is that plans indeed have changed for Oklahoma and they are planning on taking two tight ends in the 2024 cycle, which makes some sense when you look at the room. Uh, Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn have both battled injuries, and while those guys both have high individual ceilings, anytime they get banged up and both require surgeries in their first year on campus and haven't yet made a productive dent at the collegiate level, you don't want to – well, how do I say this? You want to be able to line up other options if you end up needing them down the road. Austin Stogner is one and done in his yeah. second go around at Oklahoma. Blake Smith has two career catches, and so <laughs> that's I, what I was going to mention. Yeah, he's a veteran. Sure, he's played at the Power Five level more so than these younger guys have. But I mean, what realistically, what kind of a productive dent is he going to make? The guy I really like in that room. I guess he's not technically in that room yet but Cade McIntyre I think has the chance to impress and surprise a lot of people when he gets down to Norman Oklahoma but all in all the depth in that tight end room right now and especially the proven depth guys that you know you can bank on it's not really where you'd like it to be and so I understand the onus behind offering and pursuing a second tight end in the 2024 class Just know, everybody that is listening right now, everybody asking about Devon Mitchell and what his status is, just know that the plan is still for him to reclassify, and Oklahoma is the overwhelming favorite 
Yeah, there's nothing wrong with two tight ends, and you're really banged up. And what Austin Stogner's the really the only one getting reps right now, so no problem with that uh, whatsoever. Yeah. Now, look, I, I I was told recently by one source on Mitchell, it's done. It's done. He's coming to Oklahoma. Now, that's not me saying that. That's me relaying what somebody else has said. And with a kid of that caliber, I'm hesitant to believe that anything is done until you see an official announcement. But things have been looking very, very good there for quite some time. Zane says, unless Mitchell is going to Oregon. That's enough of that, Zane. <laughs> Zane, don't speak that evil. <laughs> don't speak that evil. Ohio Sooner says, I'm a meteorologist, and the parallels between weather forecasting and recruiting are scary. <laughs> Trying to predict something that is pretty much unpredictable and getting hate for it when you're wrong, I feel for you, Parker, and keep up the good work. I appreciate you, Ohio Sooner. I appreciate you. He also says, does Mitchell reclassify and lower his rating? I'm not uh, it, sure likely, how that works. it likely will. Okay. Yes. Uh, naturally, it will. It probably won't lower his rating by much. Um, I I would venture to guess he'll probably still be in the top 100 or close to it when he reclassifies. A uh, listener that I want to says, I don't trust recruiting anymore. Well, <laughs> you can only trust recruiting to a certain extent in general. You could, re- you could trust pen to paper. Recruiting by nature is unpredictable. It is a lot like the weather, as Ohio Sooner just referenced there. Brent from Jinx, it just says Malachi Coleman, so not <laughs> sure. Brent, Brent from Jinx literally just said <laughs> Malachi Coleman. Well, wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? But, yeah, that that ship has sailed. It sailed long ago. The 2024 class, you're looking at, for now, Devon Mitchell as your most likely candidate. And I would be surprised if OU doesn't emerge as the front runner for Cooper Alexander pretty immediately. True Sooner says, men, please explain. It says G4, but I think he's meaning C4 in the connection with OU. It's a new term for me. Okay, so C4 is a training program development facility down in Texoma, uh, the Durant area, so pretty close to where Zadavian Sims plays his high school ball. C4 is in essence where a lot of the elite players from the Texoma region will go to work out and play seven on seven and they'll take a lot of the same visits together um c4 is a hotbed down in Texoma so and a lot of those elite recruits from the Oklahoma and then Texas area of course yes exactly so a lot of those guys hang out together. They play 7-on-7 seven seven at C4. They train together at C4. Oklahoma's got one C4 kid on the roster in Eric McCarty. They've got another one committed in Kevin Sperry. But the relationship with o- between OU and C4 has gotten rocky as of the last few days because of the Zadavian Sims situation. So that is the view from 30,000 feet on that situation. Uh, Brazilian Sooner wants to know, just tuned in, wondering about Caden Massey, the offensive lineman, and how many OU would like to take this class. I don't know if there's a definitive answer yet on how many they take. I think we will we will know definitively midway through the football season this fall. I would anticipate that they take at least four, and they're in pretty good s- – uh, position right now with several guys they've got a commitment from Isaiah Autry they are the leader right now in my opinion for Caden Massey 
They've been the leader for a while for Casey Poe. They're going to have to fight off Georgia and Alabama and Texas Tech and a couple others. They want to get his commitment, but he'll be official visiting to OU at the end of July. Really good shape with Casey Poe and quietly good shape with Bennett Warren, another top 100 kid at offensive tackle. Grant Bricks, a kid that I love, absolutely love that kid from the state of Iowa. OU very sneakily is trending nicely with Grant Bricks. Uh, that might be my favorite offensive lineman in the entire 2024 class. And the room's still <laughs> pretty good right now. Yeah, and that, well, and that's the thing. There's a lot of depth right now at offensive line. When you look at the next generation, and I know getting a guy like Troy Everett in the mix maybe would lend the impression that depth isn't where Bill Biedenboe would like it. I think that was more just a shot across the bow at Andrew Rame. And an opportunity to add one more experienced guy in a room where there's more inexperience than experience when it comes to collegiate playing uh, time. But there's plenty of talent in that room at Oklahoma right now. So I guess what it boils down to, what I'm getting at, is how many guys transfer out? Like if Zadavian or if uh, Savi- I almost said Zadavian Sims, if Savion Bird doesn't crack the starting lineup that's his third year of riding pine at oklahoma is he going to look elsewhere if say aaron parks isn't able to make it work and what is heading into year four for him at oklahoma does he want to look for greener pastures so i don't think we're going to have a clear idea of who isn't sticking around beyond the guys that are going to be looking at make the jump to the next level until midseason so I can see Oklahoma taking four offensive linemen this summer, taking commitments from four offensive linemen this summer, and then maybe tacking on another one at some point down the line if they feel like there's going to be a mini exodus at that position. Well, that's the thing. You don't know how many dudes you're going to lose or if they're going to get out the door if they don't get some good playing time out of you. I mean, it happens everywhere, and that's an important position at the offensive lineman. From a listener in the 731, every time I wear my turquoise Nike shirt, we get some decent to good recruiting news. I now know what I must do for the greater good. Well, thank you. Put a name on it, too, 731, but we appreciate you. Brian in Tulsa says, I saw Warren canceled his visit to Oregon. Is there anything to that for OU? Well, if he's not going to Oregon, I, I, I regarded Oregon as the leader there for a minute. And the race had tightened between Oregon and OU and Michigan. But there was there was a time in that recruitment where Oregon was out in front. If he's not taking his official visit to Oregon, that would suggest that you're looking at OU and Michigan as the top two contenders there. Florida was a sneaky contender for a minute. Touched base with a couple of sources down in the Sunshine State yesterday and was told that things had kind of cooled off between UF and Bennett Warren. So similar to Taylor Tatum. Right now, I think you're looking at an OU-Michigan battle for Bennett Warren. I saw some fans taking that in a good way after everything that went down over the weekend that he did cancel his visit to Oregon. So you can take that for some good news. Chuck says, I'm stupid when it comes to Cruton. (laughs) What is reclassification? Well, Chuck, reclassification, in essence, is when a high schooler changes their graduation year whether speeds it up or pushes it back, but basically changes the timeline of their high school graduation. In Devon Mitchell's case, he is currently scheduled to graduate in 2025. 
But the goal for Mitchell, and this is part of the reason, actually the, the primary reason why he moved out to Los Alamitos, California, because he's trying to reclassify into the 2024 recruiting cycle and graduate a year and a half early, which is wild to think about. To graduate high school in two and a half years because That's crazy. he would be an, enro- an early enrollee in January if the process is complete. And again, as I mentioned, there is no reason right now to suspect that that will not happen. So Devon Mitchell is one. I'm trying to think of another recent example of somebody that reclassified did Kobe McKenzie try to reclassify? I think he did try to reclassify. I think he ultimately decided to just stay on whatever standard track he was on. But I think there was there was a moment in time where Kobe McKenzie was trying to reclassify into the 2022 cycle. Yeah, he had a tension of reclassifying to the class of 2021. Or, yeah, 2021. There you go. And then he ended up just staying in the 22 class. I can't recall off the top of my head any other recent Sooners that reclassified, but it happens for a few of the elite football prospects. Every Oh, there you go, Lebius Overton, which, I mean, that didn't go OU's way. I was thinking yeah. Sooners. But, yeah, Lebius Overton reclassified. Uh, Desmond Ricks reclassified last year. Uh, from the 972, does taking two tight ends in the 24 class open up the opportunity for Cade McIntyre to move to a defensive position? Uh, that is not how I interpret it right now, Reese and San Antonio, but would I hate that? No, absolutely not. Kate McIntyre is one hell of a linebacker. That's the thing. Yeah, he played both ways, so I don't think that would be a problem whatsoever if you moved to the other side. Isn't it, isn't it nice that we're legitimately having this conversation about two members of the 2023 class, Connor? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. And Kate McIntyre and Jacoby Johnson, you can look at those two dudes and say, okay, they can be impact college football players on either side of the ball. Well, because we saw them in high school. We saw them do make elite plays not just on one side, but they do it both. We saw him a bunch. Uh, Jacoby Johnson at Mustang, just a really solid player to watch. I know everyone's really excited for him, and it doesn't. It really doesn't matter what position he plays at OU. Yeah, I, I want to say OU was the only school that offered Jacoby as a defensive back. Every, the everyone only, else was receiver. Yeah, well, it may, there might have been a couple others that wanted him at DB, but I know Oklahoma was the only school that offered Cade McIntyre as a tight end. Everybody else wanted him at linebacker or off the edge. Uh, from the 405, would you have any interest in Keon Brown down the line? I wouldn't rule that out, but also wouldn't count on it. I just I, I think that's a conversation we can revisit in a year or so. Well, and that's the thing. When you show out at the JUCO level, you're – your recruiting options just go way up, and you'll get so many attention. But I'm sure OU would still be on the list. All right, you guys are flooding the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We're going to get to as many of your texts, going to continue to get to as many of your texts as possible throughout the second hour here on the program. For now, let's hit a break. Come right back. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby here with you on the Ref Sports Radio Network. The Homa Sooner fans, 405-651-3439. Keep sending in your texts. We'll get to them coming up next. Keep it here. Oh, you know what I always associate this song with? What's that? NASCAR Thunder 2003 on the GameCube. Man, that – oh, man. Man, look – Great game. Oh, yeah, you grow up playing video games – Especially the Maddens and NBA Lives and NASCAR Thunders, etc. Any song you hear on the soundtrack, you just form a mental association. Man, that was a fun game. 
not a big, any, not a big NASCAR. Game oh, any racing game. I'm not a big NASCAR game, but it's really fun when you're playing it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like NAS- NASCAR is very much a deep south type of yeah enterprise. But come on, everybody loves a good <laughs> racing game. So yeah, that's always what I think of when I hear Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf. Ronnie Crimson has a big question for you, by the oh, way. Oh no, here no, no, no. We can't you can't ask that question live on the air. No. No, Ronnie Crimson, I'm not reading that text. Everybody's gonna want to know what it is now, and I'm just I'm not going there. Ronnie, quit trying to bait me. Quit trying to bait me. Uh back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We go 405 651 3439. Fielding all of your questions today, and there are Lots of them. Somebody in the 580 asked, Parker, have you considered waterboarding recruits? It would be a more reliable predictor. You'd be 100%. Good point. Man, maybe I could get to the point in my uh, recruiting career where, or rather my reporting career, where I just have dirt on everybody, and it's a Raymond Reddington type of dynamic where I don't even have to use the threat of force. I can just be like, (laughs) You're going to tell me the truth, and here's why. It's probably several years, even decades down the road, but be nice. Got to do something for them to tell the truth. Tired of everyone lying. (laughs) Listen, I'm tired of it too. (laughs) Jamie from Drumright wants to know, I haven't heard any running back talk lately. Who do you think will sign at running back in next year's class? Um, Been talking to a couple different sources about that today, actually. And I, I mentioned it in the first hour, I really like where OU stands with Taylor Tatum. I mean, really like it. And they're trying with Caden Durham. That seems like a lot less of a sure thing than it was maybe three, four months ago. But they're still trying. They're still doing all they can to get Caden Durham in the class. That's a position room that you will never have to worry about. No, and that's the other thing. I, you're dealing with DeMarco Murray here. You want to talk about elite recruiters DeMarco Murray maybe doesn't have the resume of an elite recruiter yet but (laughs) he's got the recognizable name and face to the point where when you think about what he's going to do what he's poised to do over the next couple classes I would consider it likely that three four years down the road people nationally regard DeMarco Murray as one of the finest recruiters in the country at the running back position if they don't already based on the addition of Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck back in the 2022 cycle. Um, he's going to grab high school recruits' attention every time once he's recruiting them. From the 260, where is Logan Thomas going to commit to on Wednesday? Yeah, Notre Dame's trending hard for the four-star edge rusher out of Katy, Texas. So that'll be one guy that's off OU's board. He wasn't terribly high on OU's board at the edge position uh, at the edge position right now, defensive end, whatever you want to call it. They're primarily concerned with Will Nwaneri with Nigel Smith, and with Zena Amosalu. Those are kind of the three top priorities right now for OU. But they're in on Sean Ross. They're in on Wyatt Gilmore. And here's the deal. Edge rushers are kind of a dime a dozen. Not as much so as wide receivers, but there will never be a shortage of edge kids that burst onto the scene late in the process i.e. P.J. Atabare, and look, you're not going to find another P.J. Atabare in this no. class. That's not going to happen. But you can find a guy that kind of flashes late, 
works himself into blue chip territory by the very end of the recruiting cycle. And you always get those late bloomers at that position every single year. So if OU misses out on a couple of top targets, and I'm not saying that happens, let's not go doomsday here, but if they miss out on a couple targets at edge this summer, come the fall, there will be a Taylor Wine, for instance, that doesn't pick up any offers till September or October, but then OU jumps on the scene and is able to close them out. When he brought in two big-time edge rushers from the transfer portal, too. Wally and Bixby says, for your consideration, is it possible that some, certainly not all, of these nasty message board posts are from factions of rival fan bases who wish to do OU residual harm by creating alternate Go accounts designed to look like OU fans? I mean, I'm sure that happens, but yeah. seriously, get a life if that's the kind of thing you're doing. Like, you're owning yourself. Like, that's a self-own. If you're creating an entire social media profile designed to sully the name of a fan base of another program. Just messed up people from their couch doing that. I mean, it happens everywhere. It's not – it could be an OU fan, but most likely just someone from another fan base trying to ruin something that OU has going on through those message boards. Sooner Soldier says there needs to be stricter guidelines when it comes to recruiting. NIL needs a lot more restrictions. All this recruiting drama is taking away from the game of football. Look, there's always been recruiting drama. There will always be recruiting drama, NIL or no NIL. Now, NIL does make recruiting harder to cover. I'll acknowledge that, but recruiting drama is not new. It's been this way for decades. Just ask Steely. He's been around for decades longer (laughs) than anyone here. And he'll tell you, recruiting drama has always been a thing. Heck, heck, it keeps us on our toes as we're gearing up for football season once during the summer. I kind of like it. I know some people have different opinions on it. Frisco Sooner says, Parker, any chance in hell OU has a shot at Sammy Brown? Uh, Yeah, there's a chance in hell. Not much of one. That looks like a Clemson-Georgia battle and has for quite some time. But OU's going to get an official visit. So... If nothing else, you're going to have a shot. Brent Venables and company are going to have their opportunity to make a pitch to Sammy Brown. Someone says very Kevin Durantish. From With regard to what? Yeah, I don't know. Ray T and Shawnee says, One thing that bothers me is playing these games, like with Coach Bates when he's dealing with his father's health issues, that is way more troubling than picking another school. Yeah, most would agree, and that goes back. He's referencing, for those that aren't familiar with it, he's referencing the Zadavian Sims situation over the weekend, and that was handled very poorly. Uh, We've discussed it ad nauseum. We've pretty much allowed that conversation to run its course. Zadavian Sims is not a Sooner, not going to be a Sooner. OU's done with him, done there. So at this point, it's on to the next. There's a listener in the 260 wanting to know about Kendall Jackson. Defensive lineman out of Florida doesn't have an offer yet, but OU seems to be swirling, and they are. OU has increased communication as of late with Kendall Jackson, and Todd Bates is running point there. So I I think at this point OU is done making defensive line offers until they get the strong sense that one of their top targets is going to commit elsewhere. And again, you have to be worried about Georgia with Joseph Jonah and Jonier. You've got to be worried about, I mean, how do I put this delicately? 
I won't even try. You got to be worried about the bag schools with somebody like David Stone. Even if David Stone isn't the type of kid to jump in a bag, listen, people, David Hicks wasn't the type of kid to jump in a bag, but there were people around David Hicks that had influence over the situation that were willing to jump in a bag. So sometimes it's not about the kid. Sometimes it's about his crowd. Just all those schools throwing it at him, and it's kind of hard to not take it. I know even if you're not a kid that you know likes to do that, take the money and you'd rather go to a school that you desperately love and that's the right spot for you. But when you got that bag of cash, you can make a different decision. And you, if you do not believe that the NIL valuation on David Stone is in excess of seven figures right now, you're kidding yourself because <laughs> a lot of money. that is a top five player nationally, according to the industry yeah. consensus. So a war daddy like that, especially at defensive tackle, you don't get a guy like David's. You don't get more than two or three of those guys every single class. So the ones that do show up, the ones that do make a name for themselves on the recruiting trail, the ones that do become 40, 50 offer guys at the P5 level, they're going to command a big, big sum of money. Now, whether or not they want a big, big sum of money to go play college football is another thing entirely. Not every kid is going to be completely – not every kid is necessarily going to go wherever the highest bidder is. But what I am saying is that I, I I can almost promise you there will be offers on the table for David Stone, regardless of whether he takes them or not, that are in excess of a million dollars. Like, that'll happen. Ohio Sooner says, if people think recruiting is dramatic in 2023, they need to read up on Marcus Dupree, how that <laughs> went down. That's going back 40 years. It's always been this way. Maybe it picked up a little bit more now, but we did have some drama in the past. Oh, man. All right, we're overdue for a break here on Steel Man and Thune at noon. Let's hit it here. Come right back. Continue this discourse on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Thanks for coming along for the ride with us on a Tuesday. Got about a half an hour left before it's time to get locked in with me, Parker Thune, as well as my good buddy, Tyler McComas. Lots more OU football and recruiting talk coming your way at 2 p.m., but for the next half hour, guess what? We're staying on that very same topic. So we got you covered until the bottom of the hour. Or I guess it is the bottom of the hour right now. We got you covered until the top of the next hour and then for a whole hour thereafter. Keep it right here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Now I'm just kind of spitballing here. As you know, when we're on air, don't really have the chance to have in-depth conversations with the folks, the sources that I trust the most. Got to wait till 3 p.m. most days when something happens during the show. So this is more just reading between the lines than anything else. But there's another interesting, well, and it, it is a theory. It's nothing more than that right now. But here's here's another interesting theory on why the Cooper Alexander offer. Xavier Robinson was not going to play running back at Oklahoma. This was known. This was very clear. It's one of the things that was reported pretty much from the moment that he got the OU offer. Look, this guy's not going to be a traditional running back. He's going to be an H-back that you move around, play him in a Dimitri Flowers, 
Jeremiah Hall, Mikey Henderson type role. So that was the vision for Xavier Robinson, and there was a time where it seemed a foregone conclusion that he was going to end up in OU's class. Then Notre Dame came along and offered. And if you followed Xavier Robinson's activity on social media, you know he's real high on Notre Dame. He's going to take an official visit to Notre Dame. Literally, as we were on the air today, he tweeted out a Notre Dame edit, an edit from the recruiting office up at Notre Dame. So here's another theory. Cooper Alexander is not the same type of tight end that Devon Mitchell is. He's not the same type of tight end that Austin Stogner is. He's not that big, wide body. He's a guy that's, although he does have some good weight on him, and although although he is pretty stout, he's a little bit more narrow than those dudes, runs well, can do a little bit of everything on the football field. And so maybe the offer to Cooper Alexander signifies that Oklahoma's not quite as confident on Xavier Robinson as they were at a certain point weeks and months ago. And again, that's me spitballing. That's me drawing logical conclusions based on the data and nothing more. So I could end up getting on the phone this afternoon and, you know, turns out that theory is completely off base. But it would make sense, would it not, Connor? It would. Yes, it would. I mean, I like the Cooper Alexander kid, really athletic, and I like keeping some of your better players in the state of Oklahoma. Keep them here in Norman is why I like it a lot. And I know BV's uh, been doing that a bunch throughout this recruiting process. From the 918, sorry, tune in late. Is Steely Away recording a Gordon Lightfoot tribute album? I hope so. Yes, expect the release this fall. In fact, maybe we can uh, maybe we can schedule the release of Steely's cover album to be concurrent with the Stoops family Thanksgiving. It's glorious hearing Steely sing. I saw a video a few weeks ago, which is awesome. Oh, there was a video. I'm trying to think who put it. I think T.J. Perry did. He took a video. Took of a video singing. on Twitter. Wow. Yes, for evidence. Yeah. Oh, interesting. In I I knew the room. audio made it to Twitter. I didn't audio realize there was did. a video that did. Yep, we had a video too. Interesting. The man Mike Steely. Okay. Someone says, uh, let me see if I can find this. Gunny's- recruiting <laughs> hold on. Recruiting is more nerve-wracking than watching actual games. Yeah, you're not joking. <laughs> because the thing about recruiting, well, take Peyton Bowen as a perfect example. Yeah. We're sitting there waiting on Peyton Bowen to make a decision, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting on something t- to tangibly change. Because he kept taking OU visits. He stayed committed to Notre Dame. And so, in the public eye, nothing changed with Peyton Moen's recruitment for eight months, Connor. And so, we're sitting. I'm sitting there in June like, all right, it's dropping soon. And I'm sitting there in August like, all right, here we go. And I'm sitting there in October like, come on. Like, flip already. It, we, know, we know it's coming. Yeah. Flip already. And then we get all the way to freaking signing day, and he pulls the Oregon hat. And I'm sitting there like, goodness gracious. And everyone just really gave up by then. And just out of nowhere, we were actually on air when it happened. I think it was during the Plank Show where Peyton Bowen did it. Felt like we <laughs> deserved a trophy or something I've, for waiting that long. I've mentioned this before, but that night that he was committed to Oregon, and as it was becoming clear that he was not going to actually sign with Oregon, I was on the phone with somebody who's covered recruiting a lot longer than I have. And that person told me, look, I've been doing this for – close to a quarter century and 
I have never gotten to the point before where I just don't care about a kid anymore. But you cannot make me care at this yeah. point where Peyton Bowen signs. Well, wasn't that the same day when Reggie Pearson also transferred? Because I think Brent Venables yes. put out a tweet. He had the little the little coin or whatever you say, the Oklahoma Sooners yes. coin. I was trying to figure out whether that was for <laughs> Reggie Pearson or Peyton Bowen because it happened – Literally almost the same time. It was the exact same. and it, the, So both of those things happened as I was on the road in sub-zero weather from Kansas City <laughs> back home to Nebraska because I was hitting Caden Green's signing ceremony and I was hitting Caden McIntyre's yeah. signing ceremony. So I was on the road from one to the other, and within hours, both of those dropped. Reggie Pearson's commitment to Oklahoma via the portal and Peyton Bowen's signing. Hit two for two. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, talk to us, BV. Which one is it? Sugar Shane in Newcastle said, I vowed to fart into the PA system at Walmart if Bowen <laughs> didn't commit to OU. No game in the history of games has caused me to remove my morals like recruiting news did that day. My life is so much more stressful now. It's crazy what a decision of a 17-year-old kid can do to you. Sheesh. That's funny. Let's continue. Our conversation on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, answering your questions all day long, because that's what we do here. You want to talk about things? We'll talk about them. Dustin from Lawton asks, what's the reason why a kid would reclassify? Well, if you've ever seen Devon Mitchell in person, and I'm not taking it for granted that any of you have, but even if you've seen a photo of Devon Mitchell, you understand that that guy is more than physically ready to play college football. And so if you are more than ready to physically to play college football – and you can go make NIL money, and you can go begin your development in a collegiate weight room with college coaches and their advanced understanding of schemes and the techniques that they use on the practice field. And Overall, you're just going to get developed much faster at the collegiate level than the high school level. And so if physically you're capable of making that jump after your junior year, well, why the hell not? And that's oftentimes the mentality. I mean, two of the most physically advanced kids I've seen as sophomores in high school are Devon Mitchell and Desmond Ricks. Desmond Ricks reclassified from the 2023 cycle. Or no, 2024 into 2023. And ended up signing with Alabama over LSU. Devon Mitchell is going to reclassify from 2025 into 2024. And he's in all likelihood going to end up at Oklahoma with his good buddy Michael Hawkins. That's the thing. If you're built and ready to go, you can reclassify. And also it matters in, you know, what your high school credits look like as well. But if you still got some room to grow, you'll stay in your class. From the 918, or I'm sorry, from the 731, actually. Y'all mentioned running backs earlier. Is there a lesser known name that Sooner fans should at the very least keep in the back of their heads? I mean, if you want nothing more than to keep it in the back of your head. I'll give you a name, and it's not a lesser-known name. It's just a name that hasn't been mentioned in forever as far as where things sit between him and Oklahoma. Stacy Gage. I mean, it's not much of a chance, but there's still a chance he ends up in Oklahoma's class. And if Caden Durham goes to LSU, regardless of whether you get Taylor Tatum or not, you're going to have to crank up the heat on somebody that's further down your board. I can see Stacy Gage being that guy. Yeah, I got battled it out with, what, Ohio State and Alabama for the four-star kid? <laughs> From the 918. Instead of Steel Man and Thune, it's Con Man and Thune. I like that. Good, I, 
Do you like that? Good tone to it. Okay. We'll go with it. The con man. <laughs> okay. Boom. New nickname coined. Yeah, the we'll go with it. All right. Last break of the hour coming up right here. Here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. When we return, we'll continue to hit the text line, continue to answer your questions, continue to talk OU football and recruiting. Keep it right here. Don't go anywhere. It's Steelman and Thune at noon. Back to wrap up Steelman and Thune at noon on a Tuesday. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby here with you. This hour of the program brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 is where you'll want to head for a phenomenal deal. On a new or used vehicle with the Seth Wadley Auto Group and secure their outstanding guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you when you buy with Seth Wadley. Now, a listener that has dubbed themselves Cruton Therapist says, Recruiting Proverb. A positive crystal ball turns away wrath, but a crystal ball unrealized stirs up anger. Nothing nothing has ever been as true. Uh, (laughs) Sooner Gundy says, Con Man and Thune is the Con Man sponsored by C4. Low blow. Low blow. I'm not, yeah. I'm not C4. I've taken some C4 energy drinks, though. Really? Yes. They're not very good for you. I used to do it a while back, but not anymore. They do, they do what, not feel good. What, what was going on in your life that you know. were drinking C4 energy Working drinks. out, working out. Okay. It, uh, yes, it hits you very quickly, so I stayed away from that. Brad in Bartlesville says, I had just turned off 169 at 51st Street when Peyton Bowen picked up the Oregon hat. I feel like we all remember where we were yes. when Peyton Bowen committed to Oregon. Like, does anybody not remember where they were when they found out that Peyton Bowen committed to Oregon? I know exactly where I was, Connor. <laughs> I was sitting at my parents' kitchen table in Nebraska. Yeah. And I was watching the announcement. And I, obviously, I, it had made the rounds on Twitter like 20 minutes prior that there was just a Notre Dame hat and just an Oregon hat on the table. And so I, I didn't know what to expect. I guess I was expecting an OU hat pull from under the table. <laughs> then he throws the Notre Dame hat. Grabs the Oregon hat and puts it on, and immediately I'm like, my life is about to be hell. <laughs> Classic. My life is over. It, it was and me. immediately, like within three minutes, I've got a text from, well, I think it was from Steely. Like, can you come on? I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And so it begins. So I was doing radio hits all throughout the day trying to explain how on earth Peyton Bowen committed to Oregon and how on earth he managed to lie that effectively to two schools. But I, it, I was somewhat vindicated the next day when he ended up flipping to Oklahoma. But, yes, I vividly, <laughs> vividly remember sitting there at my kitchen table, having the story ready to go, the Peyton Bowen flips to Oklahoma story ready to go for when he pulls the OU hat from under the table, and then all of a sudden, oh, probably, it's probably felt good tweeting that out. Now, I think you stirred up a question now. We got a question now to the listeners before we sign off. Where were you at when Peyton Bowen flipped? Yes. Jay from Medill says, Seth Wadley exit 72 in Paul's Valley where the girl blocked I-35 and twerked on top of the car. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah, going to guess that he's talking about that, that wasn't happened. happening. If that, if that was where Jay from Medill was when Peyton Bowen committed, gosh, I, I cannot imagine 
doing that in that kind of weather because it was a maybe a 10-degree day in the state of Oklahoma. The Recruiting Doomer says, I was sitting at the 71st and Yale stoplight and literally thought about driving into traffic. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't, Recruiting Doomer. But come on, man. Peyton Moen flips the next day. How did that not restore your faith? Big Ronnie Crimson, I was watching the Bowen commitment on the toilet of Ray's Barbecue in Norman. The Great toilet spot. of Ray's Barbecue. <laughs> See, that, that's a story for the grandkids, yeah. Ronnie Crimson. You take your grandkids through Norman for the first time. You're telling them about how, how you went to school here back in the day. You pass Ray's Barbecue on Lindsay Street. You can be like, I was in the bathroom of that restaurant for the most dramatic, well, maybe not most dramatic, but one of the most dramatic moments in the history of OU football recruiting. Here's a guy I was wearing my turquoise Nike shirt listening to K-Ref at my former apartment when Peyton flipped. From the 918, I was doing a big leaf cleanup in Tulsa. From the 918, I was on exit 69. That's in Paul's Valley as well. Um, from the 7, or from the, uh, oh, the, wait, 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 wait. I lost it. Where's the text? Dang it. Here you go. From the 918, I was in the stairwell between the third and fourth floors at my job. I think everyone was working at the minute when it happened. Wasn't like very early in the day? I, if I was, was to say, it was right at noon. Okay, right at noon. Yeah, a little bit before noon. It was right at noon. It was probably 12.05-ish. Not, oh, re- not reading no, that No, come one. on. Gosh, keep, keep it PG, people. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even opposed to PG-13 at times, but we can't go R. I guess I can say Here this, but it's no surprise from Gunny. I was smoke at a left or <laughs> smoke a left-handed when I heard about Bowen. That's typical Gunny. It's a safe bet that at that time of day, no matter what day it is, that's what Gunny. That's going to be the story for Gunny, just with every breaking news that we D- have. Diesel from Walters says I was at the bank for work and was watching it on my phone. You had to because it was live streamed on Instagram. Yeah. Which was weird. Generally, you'll have. Uh, generally, guys won't announce solely via Instagram, but that was Peyton Mullen's deal. And you really got to stay on your phone, too, because you're not going to get. I mean, I guess you could get a notification once it happened. Oh, what a day that was. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh, man, it was a great day. The recruiting doomer said, I thought about driving into traffic. I kind of did, too. I, I that, The rest of that day was hell. Sarks Vodka says, I was drunk gaslighting Arch Manning. <laughs> Sooner Gundy says, I'm too old to remember. Come on, Sooner Gundy. Like, for OU fans of our generation, Connor, I bet you the Peyton Bowen commitment to Oregon will be the shooting of JFK. Yeah, well, and you can put it down in your notes, too, just if you do forget where you're at, that you can go back and remember the great memory that we had. Julio says, I was at 75.9 latitude, 103.1 nice. longitude. When exactly. Played. Great spot. Latitude and longitude, that's a lost art. I wish I knew it. I do not. All right, well, that's going to do it here for Steel Man and Thune at noon on this Tuesday. Thanks to Connor Pasby for jumping in with me for the past two hours. Coming up next, it's another hour of just OU football and recruiting talk. Tyler McComas and I got you covered on Locked In. Don't go anywhere. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. <laughs> 